0: This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at SaintDave.org. Thanks be to God for this fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. The Epiphany season is full of light. It's about the visibility of God and our making God visible through preaching and telling and showing. Epiphany season is the season for ordinations. Many of our recent graduates are being ordained priest this season. This parish has had ordinations in the Epiphany season as well. Today we travel liturgically toward the final Sunday of Epiphany when Jesus will be transfigured on the mountain and we begin his journey toward death. In the Eckert Lectures, we have been exploring seeing Jesus in the Gospel of John. I invite us this morning to enter into the imaginative world of the Gospel of Mark. As short as John is long, Mark possesses a, proceeds at a much brisker pace, and Jesus is a lot less talkative in Mark. But like John, the Gospel of Mark is shot through with mystery. Unlike John, it is deceptively simple. After he's baptized, Jesus preaches in Galilee a short but highly effective sermon. The time is fulfilled, the Kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and have faith in the good news he calls the fisherman to follow. In a synagogue, he displays his authority over a vicious, unclean spirit and casts it out. And then we arrive at today's gospel reading. It looks so simple. These two lines are barely noticeable. For centuries, commentators have overlooked this episode or gotten distracted by wondering who Peter's wife was and where was she. And preachers have made jokes about mothers-in-law. But I say to you today that this is a domestic epiphany and a cosmic revelation. They enter the house, a private family space, the brothers and the other brothers. A beloved, significant member of the Simon and Andrew family is not well. She's not alive. She's not as she was created to be. She has a fever inside her, and she's hot. She's stretched out, lying down. The English translation says she's lying in bed, but we don't even know if there was a bed. All we know is that she's prone. In the New Testament, It's only when you sleep or when you die that lying down is right for human beings. For humans are meant to be upright. They stand on two feet, they are vertical. And in Mark, standing and walking means being alive. Think about that man with the mat who picks it up and walks. Or think about Jairus' daughter who after being raised gets up and walks around and asks for something to eat. But a fever is inside the mother. The Greek is a verb, she's burning up. Still today, the terror of fever is real. Earlier this fall, I was in the ICU at Dell Children's with one of my good friends whose two-year-old was hot and every medical intervention was being employed to cool her. The mother is not moving. She's absolutely still. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. He came and put his hand into hers, grasped it and lifted her up. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus' touch is powerful. Think about him putting saliva on the sightless man's eyes and laying his hands on him. Or remember the bleeding woman who knew that even to touch his clothes would make her well. The translation says, lifted her up, disguising the meaning of what Jesus does. He put his hand in hers and he raised her. The story of Jesus has barely gotten started and he walks into a place of suffering and diminished strength and he relieves it. He gives power to the faint. He makes her stand. He is giving life, restoring life. He makes her again a member of this family. He makes her whole this humble healing that looks so short and that we speed by so quickly is the first of Jesus' deeds of healing in Galilee. Pay attention to it closely for scripture calls it a raising. And it's as momentous as the raising of the little girl in the fifth chapter of Mark. And it's as significant as the much better known and more celebrated raising of Lazarus, the one whom Jesus loved in the 11th chapter of John. Then the fever left her. Like a demon or an alien force, that heat departs. What did Simon's mother, Simon's wife's mother do when she was able to live? when she was brought to life again, when she was risen. She looked around at Simon, Andrew, James, John, and Jesus, her sons, her nephews, and her cousins, and she began to serve them. She began to serve them. Perhaps she swept the floor and got out the dishes to set the table. Perhaps she divided the bread into loaves to bake it. And here again, the ordinary hides the extraordinary. The Gospel of Mark has clues for us to follow. For we've seen this action before in the story, this serving, this diaconing, this deaconing, not in the house, but in the wide open desert. Jesus is alone out there resisting Satan, his arch adversary, the death dealer. He has silent company. He was with the wild beasts and there were angels. And what were those angels doing? They were waiting on him. They were serving him. The King James translation says they ministered unto him. And also for the mother, in our story today, King James, she ministered unto them. We don't know exactly what the angels were doing either, but we know they weren't just decorative, they were serving. Perhaps they were keeping him cool in the day and warm in the night. Perhaps they were providing nourishment for him in the wilderness. They're keeping watch, they're standing guard until the 40 days are over. When she is raised, the mother in our story does just what these angels do, but for Jesus and his friends in the family home. Peter's mother-in-law is brought from weakness to strength, from ill to well, from not human, as she was made to be, to fully human. And upright. For those with eyes to see she has been raised, this is the first resurrection story in Galilee, and this is our story, each of us and all of us brought from weakness to strength, from error into truth, from sin into righteousness, from death into life. And when we stand up, when we come back from the fire, we do naturally, gratefully, instinctively what we are meant to do as humans who have been raised by God. We serve. We serve like Jesus himself. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Perhaps we sweep. Perhaps we make food or give shelter or anoint with healing medicine. Perhaps we visit the prisoners. Perhaps we wait and watch and pray. Perhaps we give ourselves away. Perhaps we die. What the mother does after she is risen anticipates another time of ministry, way later in the story, way later when the Mighty One has been silenced, when it's pitch black in the middle of the day, when he is not in any position that any human being should ever be in, when he is hanging on the cross exposed, shamed, and exhales his final breath. He appears to be alone after Peter and Andrew and James and John have fled. But Mark tells us, there are women witnessing from a distance, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the younger, of Joseph and Salome and many other women. They are those who followed him in Galilee, where they had served him, where they ministered unto him. Among those women, surely was Peter's mother-in-law, watching, waiting, seeing where the body is laid, like those angels did in his wilderness trials when he raises the mother. Jesus employs the making power of God, the creator, who separated the water from the dry land and who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in. The resurrection we will see in Mark as the story unfolds is not only a people, but it's the resurrection of the world, restored, healed, repaired, mended, rescued from violence and sin, delivered from its adversary, Satan. We will anticipate paradise restored where the lion lies down with the lamb and the wild beasts are tame. Where people walk and leap for joy, eat together around one table, where that chaos that closed in around Jesus when he breathed his last is overwhelmed with light on Easter morning. There's a beautiful hymn for morning prayer, not for high and holy things. And in it, in the song, morning is called the resurrection of the world, when the breath of dawn comes and rustles through the trees. The resurrection of the world is the cosmic epiphany the hymn sings to give and give and give again what God has given thee, to spend thyself nor count the cost, to serve right gloriously, the God who gave all worlds that are and all that are to be. When when a priest is ordained The bishop says, all baptized people are called to make Christ known as Savior and Lord and to share in the renewing of the world. As we take up our share in renewing the world, she is our icon today, the mother who came back from the fire, the mother who rises and ministers to them, like the angels, like Christ himself. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at SaintDave.org and click on the podcast button.